This is the Weather Lounge here at Weatherworks. Hi there, everyone, and I would like to welcome you to the Weather Lounge. I'm your host, meteorologist Brad Miller, and thank you so very much for taking time out of your busy day to listen to our podcast. By the way, we are Weatherworks, a private forecasting company here in beautiful Northwest New Jersey. You can always check us out at weatherworksinc.com. Now, let me introduce to you my co-host, the one, the only, meteorologist Mike Mahalik. Hey there, Mike. Hey, Brad. How are you doing today? I'm excited about this podcast. Yes, uh, this is a topic that uh, snow lovers will really enjoy, I think. Uh, If you don't like snow, uh, unfortunately, um, this may not be uh, what you want (laughs) to hear because uh, it's the middle of winter, so we, we need to address blizzards mike and it's uh, uh it's gonna be a pretty popular uh, i think podcast topic uh this week yeah i mean it can be popular with again those snow lovers out there but if you're not a snow lover i mean blizzards can be very dangerous it's not all about just sitting and looking out the window enjoying a nice hot cup of coffee or whatever <laughs> and just saying oh look at that beautiful snow and drift no some people have to drive in it to work mm-hmm. uh, some people have to you know do snow removal and snow and ice removal for it, uh, which a lot of our clients do at Weatherworks. So uh, blizzards aren't all fun for everybody, um, but uh, and they can be dangerous. So yes, it, it, I was gonna say they can be dangerous, and you know it's it's the preparation that sometimes goes into mm-hmm. um, not only the expectation of a blizzard, but you know it, it, if it's gonna be a big snowstorm or it's gonna have the blizzard conditions involved with it, then you know um, folks do have to you know, do certain things beforehand, um, you know, in case uh, power goes out and like you said, snow removers and and folks like that. And and also the hype factor, Mm -hmm. you know, it's as a meteorologist, you know, sometimes we need to kind of quell the, quell the hype because uh, not saying that it can't happen and you can't have a blizzard. Obviously they happen uh, almost every year, uh, whether it's in the Northeast or the Midwest or wherever. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, it can get out of hand when, you know, that blizzard term is thrown around. It's almost like, our, you know, the summertime when the, the hurricane, you know, right. gets thrown around around the Northeast. And, you know, you got to be careful with it. At the same time, you got to also take it very seriously. And, and you know, a blizzard is, uh, like you said, uh, it can be fun. The kids love it, of course, lots of snow. Yeah. Uh, but as adults and, and you know, uh, you got to still continue with life and, and folks working, uh, you got to prepare for these things. So uh, no, um, I, I guess the easiest thing to do is, is maybe just talk about um, – what, what a blizzard is. What is the actual definition, Mike, of right. a blizzard? So here's the thing. Uh, a lot of times people throw around the word blizzard just when there's going right. to be a heavy snowfall. It's going to be a foot or more of snow. So people throw around, hey, mm-hmm. it's going to be a blizzard. But uh, really, uh, the actual definition of a blizzard is um, sustained or frequent wind gusts to 35 miles an hour or more for three hours or more with considerable falling or blowing snow, reducing visibility less than a quarter mile frequently. So right by that definition, you don't even need snow to be falling from the sky to get blizzard conditions. Right. You could have snow on the ground that's been there for days, but the winds are so strong that it's kicking it up. It's blowing the snow off the ground and reducing that visibility also. Um, right. So... It's not just, you know, that big, heavy snow. There's actual criteria that we use um, to name something a blizzard. And that's kind of important because 
Um, a lot of our snowfall, our snowplow contractors that are out there, a lot of our clients here at Weatherworks, they might have blizzard clauses within their mm. uh, contracts that they might get paid differently if something is deemed a blizzard. So it's something that really has to be careful, and right. we can't just throw it all out there, you know, willy nilly here. Right. <laughs> Every time. Well, it you know, and to differentiate between them, I mean, you can actually have the correct ingredients to quote have a blizzard but at the same time you know if you're not at that three hour threshold or the winds are maybe 25 to 30 and not 35 you can still have blizzard like conditions which you hear a lot uh not only again in the media you know Mm -hmm. on tv but also you'll see it on on social media whether it's facebook or twitter you know we have blizzard like conditions here um again that's a good way to maybe describe the current conditions but it may not be technically uh reaching that blizzard threshold that right. I guess the weather service would have to actually, um, you know, uh, mm-hmm. determine at, after the storm usually or during the storm too. Yeah. And they, and they do, uh, have that. Um, they do, uh, deem things blizzards after the right. fact, um, blizzard conditions were reported at this site for right. this many hours, you know, that sort of thing. They do after that after storms, but you know, before we get too far ahead of ourselves here, Brad, look, a lot of us in the Northeast, we have those blizzard stories, I'm sure. Yes. Um, we've all dealt with them in some fashion or another. Um, but before we get crazy into the blizzards and the whole topic, because I know everybody loves that, um, at least a lot of these snow lovers, um, you know, let's just take a short break. And right after that, we'll have the rest of this podcast about blizzards. So stay with us. Have you ever wanted to know exactly how much snow or ice just fell in your backyard? Or how much snow you just plowed from that two-acre parking lot? How about getting documentation that explains why you applied several applications of salt to a busy apartment complex? When it comes down to snow and ice verification, it can be a headache trying to find accurate totals for the busy winter season. Certified snowfall totals from WeatherWorks provide a stress-free way to get reliable information for the exact location you need. It is your complete winter weather verification platform. For more information, visit CertifiedSnowfallTotals.com today or call us at 908-850-8600. When you think weather, think WeatherWorks. Welcome back, everyone, to the Weather Lounge. I'm your host, meteorologist Brad Miller, and uh, today's podcast topic are blizzards. And uh, Mike, uh, we've already kind of talked about the definition of a blizzard, uh, but you know, a lot of folks when they're dealing with a heavy snowstorm, uh, again, it doesn't have to only be in the Northeast, you know, Midwest, anywhere that has blizzard conditions. It could even be in the Southern Hemisphere. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, it's in the uh, July, you know, August timeframe for those folks. Uh, but, you know, it's it's something that, you know, if somebody's looking outside the window and they see the snow falling sideways and you can barely see your you know, end of their driveway. Mm-hmm. And, and people are going to say, hey, it's a blizzard outside right now. Technically, it may not be, but, you know, mm-hmm. and that's kind of what you have to think about, the blizzard condition. So, yeah, we deal with nor'easter. So I guess what we're going to have to talk about first is, you know, how do you differentiate between just what we want to call, quote, a typical snowstorm versus what a blizzard really is? Yeah, I mean, well, obviously we have the definition that we talked about in the first portion of the program, but I, I think um, typically if we're going to get blizzard conditions in, in the Northeast per se, 
we're kind of looking for that nor'easter to develop. So, right. uh, and there's several ways that that can happen. Um, you know, usually uh, these storms can track um, across uh, the Midwest as a clipper type system. And once they hit the coast, they really energize and uh, explode into a, a deepening low pressure system that develops into that uh, big coastal storm or nor'easter. Now, a lot of times in that type of situation, it's actually called a Miller B, and it's not named after Brad yeah. Miller. Um, <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> but uh, um, a Miller B uh, usually will affect more New England, southern New England, with a lot of their heavy right. snows uh, when those storms form. Another way they could form is basically taking more of a southern track uh, through the southern states, maybe even. Is that a Miller A? It is uh, through uh, Texas into the Gulf of Mexico and then coming all the way up the eastern seaboard. Um, right. And, you know, that's another way. That is your Miller A storm. And um, those are quite interesting also. Um, they can be. Those are real whoppers. Oh, yeah, those very, very powerful. Blizzard of 93 is one that comes to mind. That was a classic mm-hmm. example. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely a. talk about that in a little bit. Um, but, uh, other things you need, obviously with these type of storms, uh, to get the snow, you're going to need big high pressures to the North side of them. Um, so that certainly needs to be there. And also a blocking high over Greenland is a good thing to have too. Um, because you want that storm to kind of slow down as it hits the coast, have some time to develop, um, and really explode. So those blocking highs are definitely good too. Um, yeah, and, and, and I was gonna say one thing that I just even noticed when I was growing up before I knew I wanted to be a meteorologist when I was just kind of a weather hobbyist and I kind of enjoyed watching the radar. But, you know, I, I could always tell if it was going to be a, a, a big snowstorm mm-hmm. or a blizzard versus you know, maybe a couple of inches of snow because I used to always notice if you looked at the radar, and again, this is in the Northeast, if, if you're mm-hmm. watching the radar and it's kind of progressive. And what I mean mm-hmm. by that is all the precipitation is kind of moving from southwest to northeast kind of rapidly. And, yeah, you're getting snow, but you can already see the back end of the snow is probably an hour or two away. So you know it's not going to last all that long. However, when you get these big storms, you get the nor'easters and potential blizzards. What you do is you get that you get that pivot almost mm-hmm. to where the storm slows down so much that – the radar or the precip almost kind of catches up with the storm, if you will. And Mm -hmm. you start to see the precip working in from the ocean, from the east, pushing west. And when you you see the precipitation moving from east to west Mm -hmm. and it's all snow, then you know you're in for the long haul because it's not going to move out anytime soon. And usually it's only going to start picking up in that snowfall rate. So, um, you know, that, that's how you get your big storms and the blizzards. Of course, you add in the wind with a deepening low and voila, you got yourself a blizzard. Yeah. I mean, obviously when we have that situation of that moisture getting, the moisture is just being pumped in from the Atlantic ocean at that point. Um, so that's where it's all coming from. Um, that's why you see that uh, east to west motion. And, and um, on, the, on the technical side, that's the warm conveyor belt actually moving mm-hmm. with the storm. And, and, you know, maybe one day we'll talk more about the technicalities of how all that works. But basically, it's it's the warm, mm-hmm. you know, moist air that's being fed into a cold, dry air mass. Mm-hmm. And that's how you get so much snow because there's so much moisture available. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of times these can slow down when they hit the coast, too, because if I've already seen, I think it was back in. Uh, February of, I believe, 2011, um, where we had a storm that exploded off the coast and it actually stalled. 
and then it backed in um, from southern New England. And I think it ended right. up giving um, the Hudson Valley about 30 inches of snow, something like that. And uh, I think in northwest New Jersey, where our office is, it was around 11 inches or 12 inches, something like that. We were right on the edge of the real heavy stuff. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, if you have that stalling situation with these blizzards, uh, especially in the northeast, that's when they can really lay down. <laughs> those heavy two to three foot amounts yeah. um, storms that have done that and moved slowly uh, January 1996 and the blizzard of 96 that did it. Um, there was January of uh, 2016 um, yes. that, that also did the similar path of the blizzard of 96. Um, but you know, we're talking Northeast, but look, these blizzards can happen all across the country. Um, we've had, uh, one occur back in 2011. It was called the Groundhog Day blizzard out in Chicagoland. Right. Um, there was thunder and lightning and there was, uh, um, heavy snow rates. I think their winds were like 50 to 60 miles an hour or more, um, drifts of 10 feet. I mean, it can happen there too. It could happen in the Rockies when those strong fronts come across, um, and they get the high winds also. And, so, and, and the process is a little bit different out there, though, too, because they don't have the big ocean to supply all that moisture. So right. really, it's such a dynamic process. And some of the some of the snowstorms and the blizzards in the, in the Midwest and the Rockies, like I said, can get so deep, almost to the point where they're like a hurricane type mm. uh, pressure in them because they have to generate so much, uh, you know, uh, dynamic uh, you know, moisture. That's the only way that they can, they, they don't have the, the ocean there to supply all that moisture. So they have to get a different way and it's all done dynamically that way. And it's yeah. just, a, it's just a, it's such a, it's an amazing process to see the storms out there versus uh, like a big nor'easter. Yeah. And a lot of times there's a really tight pressure gradient to get those winds going too, because you have a big, like could be a, a 1050 uh, type high, high yeah. uh, coming down meeting up with that storm developing maybe just east of the Rockies, maybe in Colorado. Um, and yeah, then, then it falls, you get, you get, you get lows down around the 965 to 970, which is like incredible. Yeah, especially when they wrap up and go into the uh, upper plain states. A mm-hmm. lot of times Dakotas can get hit with something very low. I think there was a very strong storm that hurt, uh, came, jeez, uh, I don't know how many years ago it was. Um, but I remember, I think it might have set the the land uh, low oh, yes. pressure record, um, but I can't remember what the date was on that. Um, but moving away from development and things like that, I mean, one of the things that's really dangerous uh, with uh, nor'easters and blizzards and things like that are, are whiteout conditions. Right. Um, so, Brad, what's basically a whiteout? I mean, and we're not talking know, about it's... Penn State football here, <laughs> even though that's what I would think. You know, yeah. but as a Penn State grad, same kind of idea though. I mean, it's it's the the snow is is basically falling sideways. Um, the wind is so high that you have blowing snow mixed in with falling snow, and pretty much the visibility gets down to the point where you can't see that much in front of you. And I think you, you can almost think about it as as like a as like dense fog. Um, if, mm-hmm. You know, when you when you drive around in fog, and you, sometimes it's so dense that you can only see maybe a couple of hundred yards ahead of you, and it's almost, uh, it's tough to drive and, you know, mm-hmm. whiteout conditions, same thing. It's, uh, the visibility is so low and it's, it's because of the snow that's falling or blowing mm-hmm. 
that it's just uh, it's it's just suspended in, in the atmosphere where you just can't see. And you know, by that time, hopefully you're not driving around too much because it's uh, it's dangerous. Uh, for one, to for visibility purposes, and two, I'm sure the roads aren't all that great no. if you have whiteout conditions at that time. You know, definitely, uh, and and it should be noted that hey, whiteout conditions, you know, they can occur in the blizzards, but it doesn't always have to be in a blizzard. Um, we can get whiteout conditions even in snow squalls when yeah. they come off the Great Lakes, um, and those can be very dangerous too because it goes from basically perfect visibility to just about zero. Um, when that snow squall comes through. And if you're on the highway when that happens, yep. that is definitely not a place you want to be. And, and unfortunately, every year you, you read about something like that. It's uh, There's always some kind of instance where, you know, it's a, a major highway. And like you said, it just the snow squall comes in and visibility drops so fast and the roads deteriorate mm-hmm. so so rapidly that it just creates a chain reaction of an accident. And you know what? And, and, and truthfully, I, I think snow squalls to a point can almost be more dangerous than a blizzard because a blizzard, look, you can forecast it. You can say it's going to be bad tomorrow. Probably not a good idea to be outside. Uh, don't be traveling, you know, mm-hmm. prepare for indoors for the next couple of days because we're going to get a foot of snow with a lot of wind and cold, you know, and, and a lot of people, of course, you know, prepare for that. Now a snow squall, it could be 40 degrees in on a nice January day almost, and you know, there's not too many clouds, and all of a sudden you get that snow squall, and before you know it, temperature drops to 30, and you've got you know, uh, snow falling so fast that it's accumulating mm-hmm. on the road, and at the same time the visibility drops. So, and and, and not everyone can understand that that is it could happen so fast, and it's, oh yeah, uh, it, it's you no. Know, so I, I, mean, I think that the snow squall with the with the whiteout conditions are a lot more dangerous than the blizzard. Yeah, I mean, I've been forecasting the weather in, in places of Connecticut, and it's not only near the Great Lakes. These things can come off the Great Lakes. They can right. get all the way into the I-95 corridor. Sure. But I remember a, a couple times in northern Connecticut where it might have been a half-hour snow squall, and they got two inches of snow. Yeah. And that's just – think about that rate. That's just amazing right there. Uh, what was that, four-inch-an-hour rate? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Um, so, um, yeah, I mean, definitely dangerous conditions. I'll tell you what is a real problem. Definitely a problem I always had as a kid when a blizzard would hit, um, measuring the snow, (laughs) (laughs) you get this big blizzard, lots of wind, it's blowing all over the place. Things drift real easy Mm -hmm. and man, does it get hard to measure because you're trying to get an accurate amount. Um, but you can't it's it's not cooperating (laughs) it's it's a tough one so you know for those who are trying to measure a blizzard out there trying to measure all those snowfalls uh when it's uh when it's drifting so much you have to get multiple measurements around the entire area right and then average that an average and then you'll have a better idea of how much snow has fallen Um, yeah i mean you, you can i mean if you've had your you know, typical, you know, snowstorm slash blizzards and, you know, you go in your backyard and you're like, wow, there's like three feet of snow here. But then on the other side of the backyard, there may be only three or four inches. Yeah. And that's again, because of that drifting and, and um, just the piling up the snow and also the snow ratio. Uh, we've talked about this in other podcasts, Mike, you know, mm-hmm. uh, this also is a, is a big uh, issue when you're trying to measure snow and, Typically with blizzards, you do have uh, temperatures that are at least in the 20s. So your snow ratio is is usually in a good 15 to 20 to 1 
Um, so it's a drier snow most of the time. And again, that's going to also help to suspend it in the air more and lead to those whiteout conditions. But, uh, you know, you know, the drier snow is typical, more typical of a blizzard versus, uh, you know, just a wetter, you know, heavier snow when you deal with maybe a, a nor'easter even when it's like 30, 32 degrees. Yeah. I mean, there's several different ways that happens too. I mean, it can be driven dynamically, um, by making that higher ratio snow, um, especially on the, uh, the northwest sides of uh, nor'easters in the northeast, you can get these deformation right. zones, they're called, um, where a real heavy band, we like to kind of kiddingly refer to it as death bands. Death band, yeah. <laughs> but uh, obviously, it's no death going on there. Um, but it's just snowing so hard where you're getting those three, four inch an hour type rates. Uh, right. within those bands of and uh, then you typically sit over a, a certain area uh, you know a narrow mm-hmm. area for a couple hours and that's how fast that snow can pile up and that's the key to nor'easter forecasting too because that band wherever that sets up that's where the heavy snow is going to fall and a lot of times if that's off by 25 miles you got a big problem, right? <laughs> you definitely, uh, you know, can have your forecast go wrong um, because it might be a very thin band of snow. It might only be, you know, 20 miles uh, across. Um, yeah. And then what happens is then you got to see when that storm is going to kind of stall and pivot because where that pivot happens and where that zone of heavy snow just keeps staying over the same region for a long period of time, that's where you're going to get your two three feet type amounts uh, in these storms. And that and that's where the gradient sometimes sets up when you mentioned that uh, in the oh. first part of the podcast. And, and, and that's the hard part to, to try to figure out. Like you said, I mean, um, you, you can have, you know, within a span of 50 miles, maybe go from almost no snow to a couple of feet. And right. it, it's not all the time. Um, you know, we, we, you hope that you kind of get more of a, a tapering effect with the snow, which is yeah. a little bit easier to forecast, but you know, it's hard to tell like, uh, you know, one, like take New Jersey for an example, uh, you know, maybe t- you tell like Northern New Jersey, Hey, you're only going to get an inch or two of snow, but then, you know, you get down towards like South Jersey and they're expecting a foot or two because it's just where the gradient sets up sometimes. And, uh, sometimes it's the opposite. Uh, but it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's something that, like you said, it's, it's hard to determine sometimes. And, um, you know, sure. and, and I, I guess we'll get into storms now. Uh, we might as well just start yeah, talking I mean, about I... some of the blizzards. And, and the w- first one that comes to my mind is actually one of the first big ones I remember at Weatherworks. And that was the January uh, 2016 storm. And that was a perfect example, Mike, of, right. of a tight gradient in a storm. Yeah, I mean, that was pretty amazing. <clears throat> I mean, I actually... Uh... <laughs> Believe it or well, not. Well, where you lived, you got hammered. Believe it or not, I, I didn't actually work the storm very much because my son was just born. Oh, that's right. Um, so, But I was still paying attention to everything uh, that was going on. And, and um, my good, uh, where I live in the Lehigh Valley in eastern Pennsylvania, uh, we had about 30 or more inches of snow uh, from mm-hmm. that storm. Now, Brad talks about gradients. There was a good high pressure to the north, so there's a really tight cutoff between heavy snow and nothing. And I think Scranton, uh, man, they might have gotten a couple inches at best. That was it, yeah. Um, it wasn't a whole lot uh, by any <clears throat> means. So you just think about that. I mean, the distance there is, from the Lehigh Valley to uh, Scranton is, what, 40 miles? 
something yeah. like that. Um, maybe 50 miles. Uh, it's not very far. Um, well, so, I, I think I, I was going to say the, the the one thing I remember them talking about and like on, on on media and TV was like if you went on the northeast extension of the turnpike, well, it used to be called northeast extension, but pretty much if you went from Scranton and traveled down to Allentown, which I think is only like two or three exits, mm-hmm. you'd go from an open highway with hardly any snow to completely shut down. Yeah. And again, like you said, it's only maybe a forty-five minute drive between the between the two cities or the two exchanges or three exchanges. And I mean, that was just, it's incredible to go from two to three feet of snow to, you know, just a few inches in that amount of, uh, you know, mm-hmm. distance. And that storm was very interesting too, because um, initially uh, some of the forecasts were a bit further South with the heavy right. snow. Um, but every model run that came in was kind of getting closer to the North, a little bit Creeping further North, north. Yeah. a little yeah. bit further North. So now where you were forecasting two feet of snow, that area is moving up north. And since it yeah. was such a tight gradient, you're having forecasts go from maybe six to 10 inches to 20 to 30 inches. Yeah. <laughs> Very w- Within about a 12 hour time frame, um, you're thinking, oh my gosh, I got to change it again. I got to change it again. I got to yeah. change this forecast again. And you got to go with the flow. And that's what happens sometimes. And things like that do happen. Um, but, uh, you know, you got to stay on top of it as a meteorologist. You can't just keep going with a six to 10 inch forecast when it's going to be two feet. <laughs> I mean, people right. will, you know, yeah, it's bad to tell them that the forecast is changing this much, but it's worse to it's, let it sit yeah. there. And then they're going to get two feet of snow and they didn't expect it. Um, It is what it is. But it's interesting, though, because the January 2016 storm was almost a carbon copy of the January 1996 storm, um, which happened um, much of the same way. Um, Big moisture feed coming up from the south, a nice high pressure to the north, really tight grading again. And we had again, it was... Uh, you know, two feet plus type snow um, from places in uh, Maryland uh, all the way up through uh, the Lehigh Valley and into parts of the Poconos. So, yeah, that, 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 I think I remember that storm because uh, I was in college still. I think it was just starting out or maybe I was in there a year or two. But I remember I was home for some reason. Maybe it was right before I went back for my spring semester because it was, I think, the second week of January, maybe. Yeah. But anyway, I think is at the and uh, you know I'm I'm in the Poconos and I think that was the most snow I've ever seen on the ground at once. I mean, I remember the snow was up to my chest. I mean, yeah. it, it had to be at least three and a half feet on the ground. Yeah, and that was the most snow I've ever seen because I think there was some other snow from a previous storm. Yeah, uh, but that one just added another what two two and a half feet, and it was the most snow I've ever seen on the ground at one time. Yeah, a lot of drifting there with that storm too. I remember. You know, at the at my parents' house, um, going to go out the back door uh, of <laughs> the garage, and basically I opened the door, and it was just a wall of snow all yeah. the way up to the top of the of the door there. So, and all I saw was the door impression in the yeah. in yeah. the That's snow. That's always kind of neat. You see, and I'm, uh... <laughs> I'm like, oh man. And then uh, you know, you open up the garage door. There's a, a nice three and a half foot drift there, and I'm going, oh my goodness, you know. <laughs> We got to get a shovel off the top of it and then shovel off the bottom of it to get the, oh man, no snowblower was to be had at that house, at my house. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, and well, and, and, and maybe go off topic just a hair on this one. Um, that was followed by uh, a very fast warming trend. Mm-hmm. And if you remember, that was the year that we had all the flooding then about two weeks later. 
I yeah, think it was. I was very upset about that because all my snow disappeared. Yeah, it did. <laughs> and then we had then we had major flooding in parts yeah. of Pennsylvania and even to New Jersey. Yeah. But uh, you know, I I always look at that storm, comparing that storm to the 2016 storm. Um, what is that? Uh, 20 years later. Um, yeah. At the the snow removal efforts, because in 1996. I feel like it was much worse. It wasn't as good as what a job they do now. Um, no, you're right. You know, it, 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 I think I was off of school for about a week because the roads kept blowing shut and things like that. Whereas in the 2016 storm, I feel like after a day or two, everything was down to pavement. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, snow removal has come a long way and de-icing efforts have come a long way. Um, so kudos to all of our clients out there that do that. Yeah, no, I, I definitely, job. I, yeah, I, I think as a kid, I think, uh, snow removal was so different compared to, I mean, like you said, I mean, you get a snowstorm, even if you get a foot of snow, usually by the next day, you can travel on most roads. I mean, you know, they're by then they're usually just wet and they're all for the most part clear. Maybe some side roads are still bad. Even if you get a cold shot after some of these storms, mm-hmm. you know, the roads are generally pretty good within 24 hours, even after a significant snowfall. So yeah. like I said, kudos to all the snow removers. And it's, it's, Absolutely. it's different now. That's for sure. Than when I was a kid, I can remember it was just days upon days where it would take for some of those side roads to get finished even. Yeah. And uh, also to the 96 storms uh, credit, that's also where Frank Lombardo decided that he needed to hire somebody new <laughs> because he couldn't do <laughs> at it yeah. at, at Weatherworks anymore on his own. And that's when the expansion began. He hired Tommy Else, uh, one of our senior uh, meteorologists. Yeah. And uh, from then on, um, he kept hiring, hiring, growing and expanding the business. So that storm was kind of pivotal to weatherworks history really um, yeah and he talked about that storm a lot in, in his in the podcast that we uh you know dedicated to frank um you know a couple of yeah couple no of weeks ago Absolutely. so if you want to go back and re-listen to that yeah, it's a very interesting topic that that was basically the it was like the, the straw that broke the camel's back is like <laughs> i can't do this anymore by myself right 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 so i mean hey we're talking about northeast storms but let's shift out to the midwest real quick the Groundhog yeah. Day blizzard of 2011. 2011. Um, yeah. Brad, I don't know. Were you here at Weatherworks for that storm? I don't. No, so. no. I was actually living in the southeast, and uh, oh, no so snow you, really down there. Have your sandals on and shorts, and yeah. Hey, look at that storm. I don't care. <laughs> but uh, uh, no, I remember the storm well, uh, actually, because uh, I was um, uh, forecasting in Chicago. Um, and I also did the certified snowfall totals for Illinois. Um, so that storm was pretty amazing. I mean, really, I think they had like 20 inches of snow in, uh, Chicago area, uh, at O'Hare. Um, that that was the one that shut down the lakeshore, right? Uh, yes. If you ever, if you go, uh, people abandoned cars and stuff. If you Google Groundhog Day Blizzard 2011, you're probably going to find that picture of Lakeshore Drive um, getting just uh, vehicles stranded um, and all that kind of stuff. So um, certainly a a strong storm. I mean, there was, uh, like I said earlier, there was gusts to uh, 50 to 60 miles an hour or more. I think it was even 70 miles an hour in a few spots. Um, So you're getting close to hurricane force wind gusts which is uh, pretty amazing in a winter storm. 
But then you also had lightning uh, in that storm yeah. and thunder snow. Thunder snow was just basically lightning, like lightning happening within a snowstorm. It thunders and they call it thunder snow. Um, but uh, that was amazing. Typically, too. typically big rates of snow are, are yeah. accompanied by that, too. Yeah, and uh, you know, you, you always uh, if you ever watch the Weather Channel, I'm sure you see, you know, Jim Cantori. Jim uh, Cantori, yeah. <laughs> he's in the uh, the heart of it, and uh, you know, doing snow angels because he got some uh, <laughs> thunder snow over him. Um, but uh, personally, for me, I don't know about you, Brad, but I haven't experienced thunder snow. Have you had any experience? Yeah, I've seen it and, and heard it. Um... Not a lot. I can maybe remember two times uh, that it, it's. A, I've been a. I've seen it happen or heard it happen. Yeah. But again, it's not very common. It's it's within your strongest storms, yeah. obviously, and um, usually takes a strong nor'easter or a yep. blizzard to, to get that kind of. Uh, but yeah, basically, it's like uh, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's amazing. You're like, oh, was that? What was that? Oh my gosh, that was lightning yeah. in the middle of, it. and you hear the thunder. Like, oh my right. gosh, it's thunder. And the crazy thing about that was was the drifts because you had those uh, winds in the, that Groundhog Day storm um, that were so strong um, that I saw pictures of snow drifts that were up to the second story of houses. Wow. Yeah. And it's pretty amazing. I mean, I think there was 20 inches of snow that fell, but with those type of winds in the right conditions, you get those 10-foot drifts, which is pretty crazy. And you imagine the wind whipping through that city with those tall skyscrapers, mm. just like they do in New York. And it's like ca- the canyon effect. I mean, the wind has to go somewhere and it gets even stronger because it has to go through the middle of, uh, you know, all the all the buildings and things like that. So it's yeah, that was that was an amazing storm for the Midwest. That's for sure. That's for sure. But, you know, even in the mid-Atlantic. You can get hit. I mean, there's President's Day storms. If you want to mm-hmm. look for a blizzard, just look around President's Day because <laughs> because it seems, it seems like it happens like, a lot. Yeah, yeah, that date always seems to happen in February where where somebody gets a blizzard somewhere. Um, but uh, I believe they called it Snowmageddon, where they had that uh, blizzard. Um, uh, they had actually two big strong storms right. um, that came through. Uh, one was on the 5th and 6th. The next one was on the 9th and 10th. Um, and I think they even had like 80 inches total for the year, um, because of these big storms that happened. I think there was one even in December of, uh, 2009. So that winter was a huge winter for the mid Atlantic and yeah, Baltimore, DC. They, they got some big time totals that year. And, uh, you know, that, that was interesting too, because, Turns out I was forecasting down there too. Uh, so I don't know what's good. Maybe they just put me where the big snows were happening. I don't know when I was uh, in younger in my uh, years at Weatherworks, but uh, I just remember like we do uh, snow confidence boxes in our storm alert forecasts. Right. So that kind of outlines the entire range of possibilities of a storm, uh, which our clients really like. But uh, I remember doing those snow confidence boxes and saying can I really do a 36 to 42 <laughs> box? Is that, is that cool? Um, because it was just amazing the amount of snow that was falling and how heavy it was falling. Um, I yeah. Think I'm just looking at some of the amounts here. Dulles uh, ended up with 32.9. Right. 
Um, Philadelphia was 28.5. Uh, Baltimore had over 25 inches. So, yeah, uh, yeah that was uh, that, that's a doozy. Big storm. And uh, folks down in Maryland uh, were certainly uh, having their issues with those storms. And uh, I think they got all their snow for the next like 10 years in, <laughs> in one like year. Especially after last year, you know, some of those areas were struggling to even get an inch or something. It was at Philadelphia ended up with 0.3 for the year. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's amazing. You know, and, and again, that storm, talk about a gradient central park only, re- only reported a trace of snow from snowmageddon. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was uh pretty crazy. And that, that storm, that storm, I believe came all the way down from Texas and uh, it brought so much moisture up through um you know the Mississippi Valley Tennessee Valley and, and into uh the mid Atlantic there so that was yeah. had so much moisture coming out of the gulf uh, i think there was even a tropical feed into that which brought that much moisture yeah. um but uh i think the last storm we really got to talk about yeah i was going to say we we got to talk about yeah, it yeah we 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 haven't talked about it yet but the superstorm in 1993 right yeah um uh, that was some that people, was the storm of the century. <laughs> yeah, that's what it's been deemed the storm of the century. Um, that's what we were talking about before with the different types of nor'easters that can affect the northeast, where we started with uh, this was a Miller A type storm that came out of the Gulf of Mexico. So it's bringing all that moisture and it came all the way up the eastern seaboard. And um, that storm was extremely strong. Um that brought snow, I think, from uh, Mississippi and Alabama, yeah, all the way through the Northeast. Um, yeah, and Birmingham, it wasn't... Alabama, got 13 inches of snow out of that. That's amazing, and I think yeah. even down towards the coast had decent amount of snow, like three to six inches or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I think the Florida Panhandle inches. got snow. They got like three inches around uh, close to Tallahassee and things like that. I mean, it's just unheard of. Unbelievable. And that storm happened in March, too. Yeah, um, yeah. You're, so, you're thinking spring by then, but it was uh, it was all winter that 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 couple of days. And I, and I don't even think it was early March. I think it was like the middle of March or something like that. It wasn't. Yeah, it was March 13th, 12th yeah. and 13th. And uh, that was just an amazing storm. There was even a, a squall line that ripped through the Gulf of Mexico across Florida um, as that storm was developing. Lots of wind damage with that. Um, and then all that rode right up to the coast. Um, I think that storm, uh, I think was like down to a 970 millibar low in the south. And then by the time it got up to the northeast, it was about in the 960s. Yeah, the lowest pressure was 960 in that storm. So yeah. that's, that's amazing. 960, that was the record for Philadelphia, whatever that superstorm was, until... Sandy came Sandy, through yeah. and, and brought the record low pressure a little right. bit lower. Um, so that just goes to show you what type of storm this was. I mean, just amazing, um, the Superstorm in 93. Yeah, and, and some of the snow amounts for the I-95 corridor weren't as impressive as you would think, only because what happened was they actually changed. The storm was so strong hmm. that the snow, it started to snow in most of the areas, but the storm was so strong, it brought in so much warm air from the south at the time. Hmm. It just it flipped a lot of those coastal areas and, and uh, a lot of the main uh, you know, I-95 cities uh, yeah. over to rain for a time being, and then they went back to snow 
when the cold air came yeah. back in. But, you know, there was still a good amount of snow. I'm not saying it didn't. I mean, Dallas yep. still ended up with over a foot of snow. Uh, New York ended up with about a foot of snow. Uh, same as Baltimore. But, uh, you know, some of the some of the high amounts, uh, the, the highest amount out of any location um, that was recorded was on uh, Mount LeConte. And that was in Tennessee, 69 inches of snow. I mean, that's yeah. just amazing. That's like the in Tennessee average... too. Mountains of Tennessee, Blue Ridge Mountains. That's like the average amount of snow for probably some uh, Worcester, uh, Massachusetts yeah. area for the entire yeah. year. Um, so, I mean, just an incredible storm. And ra- coming back to the point of the the changeover that happened and, and some of the mixing, um, that storm track was a little bit inland too. That's why, yeah. Um, which is what brought in that warm air. It wasn't usually the nor'easters. If you want a big snow for the I-95 corridor, they have to be more off the coast. Sometimes even for New England, you want that to be more towards the benchmark, they call it, right. um, which is basically south of, uh, uh, due south of uh, Cape Cod. Um, so, yeah, a little bit further inland. I remember in the Lehigh Valley, we changed over to sleet and I was so angry <laughs> as a kid <laughs> because I knew what sleet meant even then. Um, if I got sleet, I knew the snow was done and we weren't going to see that much. I mean, I still got 18 inches of snow, so it's not like there was no snow that happened. Um, but I believe that storm too, I mean, the winds uh, behind it uh, were quite strong, ahead of it and behind it were quite strong. Yeah, so you had blizzard conditions both in front of it and on the backside of it. Absolutely. And I remember watching those whiteout conditions that we talked about earlier, that near zero visibility happening uh, ahead of the storm, because I would just see off in the distance, oh, the trees are disappearing. Oh, that house just disappeared. Oh, it's only a road away. And now (laughs) here it is, and I can't see a thing uh, at my house. So a couple of those instances during the... uh, the superstorm in 93, that's for sure. And uh, uh, I, I don't know if we're going to see a storm like that. I mean, obviously it's possible, but man, I mean, just the amount of snow that produced the swath of snow from the Gulf Coast all the way through New England is just pretty amazing um, for a storm system. And uh, I got to say, you know, everything came together in that storm. I think, you know, people talk about the polar vortex a lot. Um, you know, that goes around the, the poles right. and brings all the cold air down. Well, what happened was in 93 is a piece of the polar vortex dropped into this Into the storm, yeah, basically. Yeah, it basically dropped all the way in. Um, it was just amazing. The whole thing cut off, and that's what created that. So if you ever have a piece of the polar vortex dropping <laughs> into a storm, you have that's a 960 big, millibars. Yeah, you have a problem, okay? <laughs> It's going to be quite crazy. <laughs> uh, but And that's, uh, yeah, that, that that's what led to all. I mean, like you said, the even severe weather in that. So, I mean, there were tornadoes on the yep. West Coast of Florida and, and uh, you know, boats were capsized. And that was just, again, the, the strength of the storm. And mm-hmm. in the satellite, if you ever get a chance, you know, Google it and, and check the satellite presentation of it. It's just amazing. Right. Uh, just to watch how the storm develops and, and uh, like and you said, it comes out of the Gulf and just explodes up the East Coast. It, and it's just a storm that uh, – where were you for that storm? I mean, you, you were probably a lot younger then, but – I was younger, yeah, <laughs> but uh, still in uh, Lehigh Valley there uh, in yeah. Pennsylvania. 
Um, it's amazing that that storms now it was 27 years ago. Hard to believe. Yeah, and I still remember it too. And uh, yeah, that, that's crazy if you're just a just a kid. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, like Brad said, the satellite was tremendous with that storm. You can see that classic comma head type oh, development. Yeah development of a storm and, it, and when you see that you're obviously getting a, a deepening storm that's getting very uh, mature and and fully developed so um certainly check out that satellite picture but brad yeah i think we got to end on that i don't think yeah i know storm we, we, we can, can talk go on about. and on we just like the just <laughs> like the uh the, the snow uh, other the other podcasts we did on just the snow and snow types and you know we were talking about snow storms we can go on and on and uh, you know we talked about uh, a lot of storms here but i'm sure you know our new england folks are, are probably going to be pretty upset because we didn't really talk <laughs> about uh the 78 blizzard uh, up there which i well, know it's a little bit yeah we're, I, it's we're a long time ago yeah but the 78 blizzard uh was just an amazing storm um for eastern portions of new england i mean we're talking about 40 uh plus inch type snowfall amounts uh winds were you know just amazing i'm sure a lot of our clients who've been doing snow removal for a while uh will remember that um and even back to 2013 you know that they had that uh, giant blizzard in 2013, which brought Connecticut uh, 30 plus inches of snow too, and snowfall right. rates of six inches an hour. And six inches an hour, you don't get unless no. you're in like a, a lake effect snow band or something like that. Everybody has different stories about blizzards, so if you have a story about your blizzard, um, please drop us a line at weatherlounge at weatherworksinc.com. Throw a picture on there of, uh, you know, your back door being snowed in or something like that. <laughs> Otherwise, you know, guys, this is pretty much it for our podcast. I want to thank everybody for listening. And please remember that we'll have a podcast like this every two weeks. Also visit us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, all those places. You can certainly find us. Uh, YouTube, subscribe to our channel. And as always, weatherworksinc.com is the place to go to find out what Weatherworks does and what kind of weather services we provide for our clients. So until next time, we'll see you later.